Hello there, friends. Welcome to the Literacy Curators Podcast. I am Susan Schatz, and this week I want to share with you some insights, um, some ideas, and hopefully some action steps for using assessments to differentiate instruction. So when I think about two big areas of assessment that are within the teacher's power, that are within your wheelhouse, things that you can launch and leverage in order to impact student learning. We have screeners and diagnostic assessments. So screeners are oftentimes required by the school or um, there's a certain one that each teacher has to use. You don't have a lot of choice on which one, but you have choice in how you utilize the results to differentiate instruction. And then diagnostic tools, sometimes that is also prescribed by the school, but oftentimes teachers have a little more wiggle room there. So if you think of it like a funnel, you think of screeners as the wide funnel, the thing that you are going to administer to every single student. And then you think of narrowing the funnel and those are the diagnostic assessments. Those are the ones that you might administer to 10% of your students or so in your classroom, depending on the needs of your class, obviously, but you get the idea. You have 100%, the screener is for everyone, it's the wide part of the funnel, and then the funnel narrows down, and you have some informal diagnostics, things where you do not need permission for assessment items where you can just do some informal surveys in your classroom to determine where your students are, where they're going, and what you can teach them next. So, and then of course, as the funnel narrows, you have fewer students and um, larger, more robust assessments. Those are the type of assessments that would be administered by um, the psychoed evals or the SST. Uh, lead people, reading interventionists, the the specialists at the school who really need to do a deep dive into student learning. So today I want to talk to you about the, the bigger ends of the funnel, the screener and then the classroom diagnostics. And the reason I think this is so critical is we are hedging into spring. I'm so excited. It's my favorite time of year. We're not there yet, but we are moving there. And when we do, we really start narrowing in on student growth and progress and plans for differentiated differentiated instruction for the spring and then also uh, tutoring for the summer. So as a teacher, you could think of this through two lenses. One, where if you are a teacher who cares to create a supplemental income stream in the summer, um, in the future, we'll have more on how you can do that and formulas for that and small group tutoring instruction that's coming up. But for today, I want you to just think of it as a framework for how you could think about organizing that instruction. And then also, if you are an educator, how you could organize results to share information with parents or just make an impact with the rest of the time that you have left in the school year in your classroom. So starting with a screener, a lot of times we have screeners, um, for lack of a better word, but dictated to us by a school or a school district. And sometimes they're good screeners and oftentimes they're missing some pieces. So what I want to share with you are the elements of a robust reading screener 
so that you as a teacher, even if you don't have a lot of say in the screener that you have to administer in your school, you can look at it like a checklist and know what is and is not included in that screener so you know how you need to supplement. So basically, what elements are important in a great literacy screener. And I'll go into one of my favorites in a future episode, but the early bird literacy screener is my absolute favorite. And um, it's because it's the most comprehensive on the market and the easiest to administer and has the most robust research base behind it. So hands down, I think it's the best one out there. Um, but I wanted to share with you, no matter what screener you have availed to you, what do you need to look at? What risk indicators are you looking for? And so the first one is phonological awareness. That's one that's included in most any literacy screener. It's the student's ability to hear and manipulate sounds and words. So of course we need to look at that. Oftentimes we have um, rhyming for sound matching, um, blending, segmenting, depending on the student skill uh, in that category. Then you have phonological short-term memory, and that can be uh, assessed through non-word repetition. And essentially, there's this phonological loop, a loop where how a student can store information and how quickly they can access and retrieve that information and apply it to settings where they don't have a, other supportive clues. So in a non-word, it's a made-up word like TAM. And in the, although maybe there's some names, people with that name, so I should maybe think of a better word, but you get out the idea. So we'll go with him for now. Uh, so basically the student needs to use all their letter sound knowledge stored in their brain to get it out and be able to apply that to a new word that they've never seen before. So that's their phonological short-term memory. Another important element of a literacy screener is rapid naming. And this is the ability for a student to quickly retrieve information and apply it. And in pre-K, it's okay for there to be pictures because many of the students haven't learned all their letters and sounds. But as soon as you enter into kindergarten, it is important for that to switch to letters and sound rapid naming because um, that is more predictive of later literacy learning. So if you have a rapid naming assessment, hopefully it's one based on letter naming. Uh, and then also letter sound knowledge. It is a huge predictor of later literacy success. So how well the students can identify letter names and letter sounds. And then of course, vocabulary. And this is one that I would say is most often left out of literacy screeners. So if it is, just keep it in mind and maybe pull in um, maybe a core maze survey or something like that, where you could incorporate a vocabulary assessment for your students to double check those skills. And then another one is oral listening comprehension. And the way this can be assessed is through oral sentence comprehension. I would say this is probably the one that's most frequently left out of literacy screeners. So some screeners do very much look at the phonic skills, some of them, attend to fluency, a few of them attend to both, not so many take in all of these categories, phonological awareness, phonological short-term memory, rapid naming, letter sound knowledge, vocabulary, oral listening comprehension through oral sentence comprehension, 
basically how well can a student hear and manipulate the sounds and words and also understand the language that you're communicating um, to them and how you're communicating communicating together with them. So those are kind of the key indicators for a literacy screener and it's something that you could use to reference against the screener that you have available to you and know where you might need to dig a little deeper or pull in a supplemental tool. Another one that is often overlooked is family history. There is a highly, highly heritable factor for dyslexia and that is a, really a core deficit with word learning and um, fluent reading for students and basically there's a strong family history. We'll get in in another episode into the ins and outs of dyslexia but basically it is important to know if there's a family history of dyslexia because that helps you to know for sure that student you're going to tease out a few things. You're going to do a little bit of a diagnostic. You're gonna take a little bit closer look to make sure there's not anything that you're missing for that student. So um, those are the key risk indicators for a universal screener. That's the top of the funnel, what everybody gets three times a year. It should be a fairly, uh, an assessment that's fairly easy to administer and give you good results. Now, a lot of times teachers just use it as like a red light, green light, and away they go. But what is best practice and what I would recommend is to take those categories, those risk categories, and look, break your students down by categories, and then think of small groups that you can pull and where you can provide supplemental instruction related to each of the risk indicators and categories. So you might have one for phonemic awareness and phonics. You might have one for fluency in the rapid naming, and you might have one for oral language and then vocabulary. So if you look at it through strands of literacy risk indicators, it's also strands where you could organize small group supportive multi-tiered system of supports. So that's the screener. Then from there, depending on how different students perform on the screener, you might want to pull a diagnostic assessment. And I have looked at many and there's a ton out there. I would say one of the most user-friendly tools right now is the core phonics survey and then a phoneme, uh, phonemic awareness assessment. You could use Hegarty. You could use... Um, just a simple, there's ugh, there's so many out there, but basically what you're looking with phonemic awareness is do they identify the beginning sound, the ending sound in a word, can they manipulate the middle sound in the word, can they blend, and can they segment? So you have those five skills, and from there, you know where they are in their overall phonemic awareness. The other thing I like about the core phonics survey is it's extremely actionable. You assess the student and you know exactly which skills they've mastered and where they may have a gap. And what's surprising, I've administered this to some first graders recently, and it is progressive. It does go from simple to more complex. But what's interesting is for a variety of reasons, students may have holes. There's little pockets that they might not have mastered. So the core phonics survey can let you know how you can pull a group of students based on the skills where they may need more strategic 
or more intensive intervention. The other thing is I feel like it directly aligns to many scope and sequences of systematic phonics instruction that we can use aligned to the science of reading. And that way you can marry your in-class diagnostic assessments with the curriculum that you have in front of you and then know where you need to pull um, strategic and intensive intervention groups within the classroom setting. So these are just a couple ways where you could use assessments, the big funnel, the screening assessment, little bit medium size of the funnel, the in-class diagnostic assessment. That's usually a curriculum-based me measure of what they have and have not mastered. So you can show the student where they are, where they're going, and what they're going to learn next and basically plug in any holes and gaps. And then the amazing thing is for yourself personally, you use it obviously to impact instruction within the classroom, but it's also a tool that you can use outside of the classroom if you are thinking about doing tutoring in the spring or in the summer. It's a tool that can help you organize your approach to instruction with students that are coming from different grades, different classrooms, different re you know referral sources. It's a way where you can kind of look at your students and how you might be able to group them and what uh, framework you could use to teach them. Because a big thing that I've personally noticed is that so many students go off with a referral for tutoring and the tutoring that they get is either a little of this and a little of that and a little hodgepodge or it's quite dry and not engaging and dynamic. So this is a way to empower yourself as a teacher to provide science of reading aligned instruction in the classroom and tutoring and um, see those amazing results with your students. So I hope that you maybe think about that for the spring, this funnel of assessments. And as a teacher, even though some of it is given to you or assigned to you, there are many ways where you can empower yourself and differentiate instruction and impact student learning. Take care. See you soon.